0: You are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of his kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurr dot Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcast. Excuse me. Um, this is Zeal for Your House uh, on Blog Talk Radio with Dorothy Crothers. My name is David Murray, and uh, it is wonderful to be here again and have a chance to uh, share some of the Word of God and to get into some meat of the Word. And um, I just want to say before we get going that I uh, I get a lot of feedback from a lot of you guys from <clears throat> from you know all over the country that, that tune in, and I am so honored and blessed to to know that um, some of the things that I share and teach on uh, are blessing others. And I want to encourage you guys. Uh, I know that there's a lot of nonsense going out in this hour. And um, for those that tune in, what I've noticed is that over the last four or five years, the Lord has really narrowed down um, those that are listening, those that are fellowshipping with me or, or, or reaching out to Dorothy, to really those that really want more of the Lord. And um, let me preface that by saying God doesn't love anyone more or less. He loves us fully. The scriptures make that clear. It is the backbone of everything that I teach upon. Even when I teach upon judgment, discipline, and correction, uh, it must come from the foundation of knowing that our heavenly father is love manifest discipline, correction, judgment is love. The scriptures even overtly, plainly tell us that. So when, when, when we, talk about things or talk about decisions we make, we must understand that our Father in Heaven, our Heavenly Dad, loves us no matter what unconditionally. But I want to encourage the listeners, the Body of Christ that tune in um, Blog Talk Directly or on the YouTube or the other social medias that Dorothy posts these broadcasts on, um, that you guys are doing great. And Father just looks down upon you know his family and his children, and he is just so proud of you guys and is smiling. And I want to just encourage you, with that um the lord shares with me what's on his heart toward the body of christ fairly regularly it's one of the things that i'm called to it it, you know i get my marching orders as best as i'm able to from him and when i listen and tune into him of what is on his heart and he shares you know what to teach and how to admonish and even when it's correction a lot of what i do is correction but it's it's love correction is love correction is life But I want you to know the backdrop of all of that is your heavenly dad smiles. His heart is smiling at you guys. And I mean each and every single one of you. You're wondering, oh, does he, you know, does that include me? Yes, it does. talking to each and every one of his children. There are no exceptions to that. He knows each one of you by name. And he sees your heart. He sees your struggles. He sees the the, the, um, difficulty it is. And the challenge it is in a lot of areas of our thinking, guys, a lot of what we've been doing in the last, you know, three, four or five years that some of you tuned in and even some of you have tuned in for the first time, um, he's tearing down the lies of of what we've been taught to believe or truth. He's tearing down the lies of what we have been shown or his uh, image. And I hearken this back, guys. This is so important. Please hear me. You know, for some of us, especially in the New England area, there was heavy Catholicism in this area. Now, I have family that are born-again Catholics, meaning they understand that you can't earn salvation, right? They know the, the scriptures well enough to understand. They've accepted Jesus as their Savior. The Holy Spirit's come to live inside of them. Um, Ephesians 1.13, uh, you know, promises the Holy Spirit will come and is uh, deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. Um, but they may still fellowship, um, you know, in the Catholic Church, just as we may go to different assemblies, or we may choose to fellowship in living rooms, or right now we may not be fellowshipping at all. Here's my point, is that just as uh, we've been taught that if a priest or a pastor or a minister or a reverend um, is supposed to be representing the nature of God and is supposed to be representing um, his image, just as they, that, that that many of us may fall short, that doesn't change who God is. Right? God is God. He never changes. And if someone reflects his image poorly, it does not change his image. So please remember that, guys. When you hear people that are maybe angry or broadcasting some nonsense or broadcasting things that are confusing or troubling, please don't let your hearts be troubled. Because our Heavenly Father is a God of peace and of order. And when he corrects us, it's in peace and love. When he says, okay, here's what I want to do in this season, Um, there's love, there's grace, and there's unmerited favor there. So I want to take a couple minutes to preface that. So, uh, Dorothy, good evening. How are you tonight? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I, I'm really excited, Dorothy. And um, this is really something that's been on my heart. I think it's going to encourage a lot of people. I actually, guys, on my, my broadcast, uh, not my broadcast, excuse me, my blog uh, website, I actually just published this this evening. Um, it's called Desire Versus Intention. And uh, it, I'm going to be continuing to cross-pollinate between more of what I write and more of what I teach on the, on the broadcast. This is an important one. And so we're going to be going over this tonight. Dorothy, I think in particular, you and I have talked about this subject, and I think you're going to particularly enjoy this one. And what we're going to be talking about, guys, we'll get into it. It's going to be fairly short. Uh, I said it, I've said been saying that for the last year now, but we're going to try to that because uh, the meat of the word doesn't have to be short. It doesn't have to be long. We're going to talk about the difference between desire and intention, and this is going to clear up a ton of confusion uh, from, for many of us, and based upon feedback and questions I've been getting from the body of Christ, we're going to talk about what is desire, what is intention, and how do we move further? How do we use these two aspects of our walk with God to go further into greater intimacy and power? Um, so let's start with a quick introduction, guys. We've talked about this season we've been in, uh, past year, it's continuing in this in this year, 2019. We're going to see more of this. Um, the world is not coming to an end this year. Um, you know, I've, I've been really doing my best to very um, deliberately and with great care share uh, for our encouragement what the Lord is doing in each season in each year and how he's been systematically building things and doing things within the body of Christ. Guys, we're in a season of, of of relationships being formed and strengthened. We are in a season where there is tremendous grace for us to heal and for us to press into the Lord and to allow a lot of our wounds and fears and hurts to begin to be healed. That is part of the season we're in. Whatever you think about our our president uh, uh, president uh, campaign uh, uh, our cabinet guys this was designed in part to give the body of Christ time to mature and heal because we were not ready for the regime that would have taken place it would have crushed us many more people would have gone to hell because the gospel is really has been reverting back to infancy stages it's a soft cell gospel and many of the body of Christ have gave up on the Great Commission we're so angry confused hurt that we ourselves have drifted from the love of God because we don't know how much he loves us. And so we, if we don't know we have, that we're loved by our Lord, we're certainly not going to be motivated to help save anybody else from going to hell. Right? What motivates us is love. And so we're in a season of healing to begin perceiving his love for each and every one of us. And from that place of healing, we will want to once again share the good news, that has slowly been stripped over the years. Guys, the wilderness that many of us left, the institutional religious system, was designed for healing. It was designed to learn to hear God's voice. It was designed so that each and every person could begin forming their gifts and their callings and for deep spiritual connections be made the way the first century church did, where it would say over and over again, meet, greet Priscilla and Aquila who meet at their house. Um, greet with Justice Titus, greet Luciferus in the name of the Lord, where all these home churches were forming and thriving, and the gospel was spreading through the Roman Empire, calling us to return to true fellowship. For many of us, we're so wounded and hurt, we've given up on that. And Father's not angry with us. He wants to heal us, so we begin, we begin experiencing greater intimacy with him, and the byproduct of intimacy is that we will naturally feel, think, see, and do what is on his heart. Um, so that's where we're at, guys. That's the season that we're in. Um, I shared you know, some prophetic updates a couple of weeks ago. I recapped the last four or five years. I recapped where the nation's been the last 50 years or so. If you haven't listened to it, I think it would be a blessing. I think it will bless many of your friends that are struggling. Um, share that with them. Get the word out. The Lord is trying to do is to raise up those who will answer the call to step into identity to step into deep intimacy with the lord and then from that place take the position of eldership organically relationally in the body of christ and mentor and disciple the next generation guys there is a young generation that is being raised up right now as we speak um uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this another couple of months when we give some more prophetic updates of what God's doing in the season. I won't get into it right now, but he is already preparing the next generation who will do what this generation is refusing to do. The window in this generation is closing. It's closing from leadership down and, out, and leadership divine by anyone who has a sphere of influence that God has commissioned to teach, instruct, correct, and love the body of Christ. That doesn't matter if you're on blogs. It doesn't matter if you're on internet radio. You have your own website um, or you're in an institutional church system. It doesn't matter. There was grace. Social media was grace meant to perform what's on his heart. We have turned it into platforms to do what is on our heart. We've turned inward with that anger. And, um, and the Lord is in his love. He's, he's, he's passing over that. That season is coming to an end. He's raising up a young generation of young men and women who are grabbing hold of righteousness, are in deep communion with him. They are growing and learning, and they will pick up the mantle that those in the wilderness refuse to do. Very symbolic of what took place to the, the, the first century uh, Jews after they left Egypt. Um, that's what's going on. That does not mean God ever rejects us. It does not mean he stops loving us. There is no wrath in that, guys. It's just he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish by those who will partner with him. So um, there is that window of time, guys. He wants to move us. There's tremendous grace. And so here's what we're doing, guys. We have to realize, first and foremost, everything that we decide in this world comes with a cost. Galatians 6.8 says if we reap to the carnal mind, we reap to carnality. We will sow excuse me, we' we'll sow to carnality, we're going to reap death. If we sow to the kingdom of heaven, we'll reap eternal life, or the everlasting life of the Lord flowing through us. Everything has a cost. There are two kingdoms in operation in this world that started taking place once Adam and Eve fell. The first um, one was that we were God's children. Adam and Eve were complete in Christ, complete in the Lord's love, walked with him, had dominion over the earth. Satan introduced an an option for Adam and Eve. Find identity and worth apart from your creator. And Adam took it. Eve was deceived. Adam counted the cost and said, you know what? Uh, I think I want this. Adam was not deceived at all. He made a deliberate choice to reject his identity from his creator and try to pick up his own identity. Since that time, uh, Jesus has given back to us the right to once again walk with our identity our self-worth our sense of well-being coming from god's love alone that is the redemptive plan god the redemptive plan did not start with the law of moses that's false teaching and it's really the lord's really getting tired of it it's not about self-righteousness it's not about works i had people recently reached out to me according to me how we. How we have to, righteousness comes by works, even though the scriptures actually overtly say the opposite. That if righteousness could be attained by works, then Christ died for nothing. And the entire book of Galatians tells us that if we obey one aspect of the law, we are guilty if we, don't, if we break one of them. Guys, if, if, if we can earn God's love and his approval and his perfection, Jesus died for nothing. That's the lies of what Satan offered Adam and Eve, that you can find worth and identity by the sweat of your own brow. When God said, you know, we often mistranslate, right? In the Bible, it does not say the curse of the fall, right? That's a headline that man uh, added afterwards to, to break up text, right? Well, God, was, God did not curse Adam and Eve. He simply stated the consequences of what they did. They gave Satan dominion over the earth. And because they forfeited their identity as children of God, he said, cursed is the ground. He didn't curse the ground. He declared to them the ground is now cursed because it was given to Satan. Guys, we have to go back to the beginning if we're going to understand the new covenant. The beginning does not start with the law. The law was the last covenant before the covenant of the Holy Spirit, known as the new covenant. So, Everything has a cost. We're going to decide our self-worth comes from what other people think and our own accomplishments, right? That's the law of uh, the covenant of self-righteousness, self-validation, self-promotion, self-love. That's Satan's system. That is a demonic belief system. And it it says that as well as we perform and as well as people think of us, that determines our self-worth. Jesus said, I have come to give you life, and that abundantly. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. Guys, think about that. We have to pass through the blood of Jesus to get to the Father. We do not pass through the law to get to the Father. We pass through the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us from all unrighteousness, the Scriptures say. So, guys, uh, you've all heard this. I want to go over it again. I want it to, to, because this is who we are as God's children. This is what has been given to us, regardless of whether we walk in it or accept it. This is who we are. Colossians 121. You were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now, verse 23 is a great one that I never really quote. But it goes on to say, if you continue in the faith, not moved from the glorious hope of the gospel. If you continue in the belief that Jesus is your righteousness. It does not say if you continue in the law. If you continue caring what other people think. If you continue living up to a standard that you think you need to meet and that you judge others by. Hebrews 10.10, by which you are all sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once and for all, we were sanctified. Guys, the Greek word sanctify is Strong's 37. It means to make holy, to set apart, to purify. When we say we are being sanctified, it is the process of being made holy. And when he says he has sanctified us, what he means is that when he sees us, he sees us as holy, and we are enjoying the process of being transformed into his image. Guys, everything has a cost. If we stay in the belief system, the demonic system, that we will find validation in our walk with God and our walk with ourselves based upon how well we perform based upon what other people think, we're sowing to this belief system we're going to reap the fear of rejection, we're going to reap shame, we're going to reap fear of failure. That's the cost for living under that bondage. That belief system has a cost of fear and shame. It also promises us the reward that we could, by the sweat of our own brow, just like God told Adam, fame, wealth, and recognition in the sight of man. There's a cost, there's a reward. If we live by Father's kingdom that says we are the righteousness of Christ and now we're being transformed into his image by our thinking being changed, as we receive more of his love, we are transformed more and more into his image. That also has a cost, guys. There's also a cost for that. Joshua 1.9, Galatians 5.22, 2 Peter 1.9 talks about the reward or the fruits of the Spirit flowing through us, the gifts of the Spirit more easily flowing through us, the peace of Christ surpassing all understanding being around us, perceiving the presence of God all the time, perceiving His love all the time, being immersed in the love of Christ, and everything we do is blessed by Father, as we can't earn that, that is ours, but we have to lay hold of it. The land that the Jews were promised in the wilderness was theirs, but they died in the wilderness. Right? For those of us that like to talk about double prophecy and Israel being a foreshadowing of the United States and the body of Christ, right? there is the foreshadowing there. It's the same principle. The promised land was theirs, it was given to them. God says, I'm giving it to you, but they died in the wilderness because they would not receive what was given to them. The cost, guys, is that it's work. And, the, and here's where the confusion is, guys, and here's what I want to talk about. The reason why we don't count the cost, the reason why we have trouble receiving what is ours is because we have not taught the difference between desire and intention. But this is what we're really getting into the of that we've been given a choice to live out of our true identity, the gift of his unconditional love, that he sees us as holy and blameless, live out of a performance belief system. I know many, many, many of you desire to be free from fear. From, from shame, from anxiety and torment. I know that. It, didn't matter, it wouldn't matter if I didn't get any feedback from any of the body of Christ. I know it because Father shows me what's going on in the bride. He shows me what's going on in his church, and his children. And this generation of believers are filled with shame, anger, and fear. But we don't want to be that way. We want to be free from it. So what's the answer? Let's read a scripture verse here, guys. Well, first of all, let's get some things in context. Definition of a desire. Desire. A strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. Intention. A thing intended. An aim or a plan. So, guys, desire is a strong feeling of wanting something, wishing for something to happen. Intention is an aim or a plan. Guys, there is a vast, vast, huge, an ocean of difference between desire and intention. Vast difference. And it's why, for many of us, we're in the wilderness. Because to get out of the wilderness, you have to move from desire to intention. Many of us have a desire. And I'm going to quote John 12, uh, 42. At the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. Talking about Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. Guys, here's an example of individuals who had a passion, a longing. They recognized Jesus was Messiah. They believed in him. They knew he was truth. But they were unwilling to take action. And the reason why tells us in verse 43, they loved human praise more than praise from God. The root of that unwillingness was the fear of man and fear of rejection. They were living out of a false belief system to the point when they heard the truth and the good news. They were unwilling to step out of that system. I talked about everything has a cost, guys. Corporately, all of us say we want more of God. There's not a lack of desire in the body of Christ. There's a lack of intention. What we need to do, if we're going to talk about repentance, guys, it's repent of having a lack of intention of picking up the blood of Jesus Christ as our identity. We don't need to do more works. Our works are as filthy rags. Scriptures make that clear. David said it. David understood the righteousness came from Messiah. Messiah. And he put his trust in what Jesus would do one day. We've reverted back to thinking God's upset with us or that we can't change or that, he, you know, we just can never get out of this mess. They're all lies, guys. And Satan's doing a great job allowing us to stay in bondage to his lies. And Father's moving us past that. He, you know, he's passionately jealous for his children to spend time with him to get to know how much he loves them. Not because he needs your works. He doesn't need our works, guys. Works are an outflow. They're a result of love. When we treat our children and the people that we love well, we're not doing it to, to prove something to them. Well, we shouldn't be. Some of our relationships can be pretty dysfunctional, but <laughs> we're not meant to be. We're supposed to do it because it's an expression of love. Spending time with Father is an expression of love, and for many of us, we don't feel his love, so all that's left is fearful condemnation. But what we need to do, guys, is to have a desire to be delivered from fear, and have a game plan. What is our intention? This is where the kingdom of heaven hasn't been taught in this generation, guys. We need to start teaching on this. We need to start focusing on our intention. The process of transformation, then, guys. Let's talk about this. The transformation begins with desire. The end is intention. Excuse me, the end is action. It begins with desire. It must end with an action. And the bridge between the two, the bridge which, which joins those two is intention. Desire, we have an intention, and we fulfill that intention with action. The action, guys, begins with our thought life. I'm going to read these scriptures, guys. Romans twelve two. Here's what we're going to do, guys. We are analyze what we're thinking right now are our thoughts rooted in a lie that our worth comes from what this person thinks of us are are, our thoughts rooted in the lie that god is angry with us and he needs us to perform a certain way are we throwing out scripture in the name of what we want to say god is are we trying to twist god into our own image or perception because that's what we've been taught as kids that's what's been modeled to us Romans 12:2. do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Because a lot of us are speaking, but we're not speaking as well accurately because we're not renewing our minds. And so what we're hearing is very distorted. Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinks within himself, so he is. Now, 2 Corinthians 10.5, Romans 12.2, guys, tells us what we need to do. We need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us how we're going to do it. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Guys, if Colossians 1:21 says we are blameless and unreprovable in his sight, for us to say we're not is blasphemy. Sorry, we don't got to blaspheme the Holy Spirit and all these ev'g'v things we're afraid of doing. Just blaspheme by just saying, I'm not righteous and holy. Is anyone willing to do that? We do it all the time, whether we recognize it or not. If God has said something and we say, no, God, you're wrong, what are we doing? What we're doing is we're contending with God. We're saying he's wrong and we're going to determine our own system of validation. Guys, if we don't work to change how we choose to think toward God, others, and ourselves, we'll never enter into the rest that was given to us in Christ. These are not my own words, guys. This is the word of God. James 1 says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Let not that person think he should receive anything from the Lord. It's not because God won't give it. It's because we're rejecting what was already offered to us. We will perceive everything through who we believe God is. That's why we say, well, God's going to withhold. He won't give it to you. You're not earning it. You're doubting. You're doubting God's going to withhold it. (laughs) Guys, the scriptures go on to say that you ask, ask. The verse preceding it in James says, ask If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask for God who gives liberally and abradeth not. Those Greek words, those Greek words, who gives liberally and does not withhold, in the Greek, means an absolute ferocious passion to give. That's what the Greek means. It means we have a Heavenly Father who ferociously, jealously, passionately wants to give. But then it goes on to say, don't let that person think he'll receive anything from God. Not because our dad doesn't want to give it to us. It's because we won't receive what is ours. He cannot force the blessings of the kingdom, the blessings of sonship upon his children. There was always a choice. There was a choice in the garden. There's a choice today. Guys, the word doubt, the Greek word doubt actually does not mean doubt to waver back and forth. There's a different Greek word for that. It's used in this. It's not a proper uh, English translation. The word doubt in this Greek word means to contend and argue. When you ask, you must believe and not contend and argue with God. So, guys, what the scripture is saying is if we contend and argue with God, it means we're too sold. We're tossed back and forth because we're continuing, contending, we're arguing, we're disagreeing, actively disagreeing with what God's word says about us. And we can't expect to receive from the kingdom if our soul is rejecting it. This is the application, guys, of faith without works. To have a belief without a corresponding action is dead. It's useless. We won't change our soul. We won't change our thinking. We won't enter into that peace and rest and power and defiance authority that is ours in Christ. Many of us have a desire to that for that. That many people say, David, I want to walk in, I want to lay hands upon the sick. I want to move in word of knowledge. I want to understand what God's doing. I want to accurately prophesy, understand, perceive what he's doing in each hour. I want to be able to discern better Guys, it's intention where's the key. Intention is the bridge to actually doing these things. Here's the application, guys, and we'll finish up with this. Guys, the next time we feel shame or, shame or fear, the next time we're in a situation, we're interacting with someone or we're by ourselves and we feel a fear or anxiety, we need to stop. What am I believing right now? I believe in God won't take care of me. I believe in God is disappointed with me. Am I believing that I'm not earning what I should be as a Christian? Am I believing that I'm going to lose my salvation? Guys, we have to take those beliefs. We must get into the Word of God and find out what it says. My website is filled with topical scriptures. You don't even have to look them up, although I would encourage you to. And I would encourage you to look up the Greek word for righteousness, holy, blameless, sanctified. You need to wash your mind with the water of the Word, the scriptures say. Having washed your mind the watering of the word. And then we need to stop and say, no, I reject that lie. God, your word says this. I choose to accept it. Soul, get in line with my spirit, man. Guys, that's application. That's what we need to do. Why did I get embarrassed at dot, dot, dot? Why am I hesitant to pray for a stranger? Examine our emotions, guys. They are the gatekeeper. They're telling us what's going on. Remember, emotions deal with, um, excuse me, uh, desire deals with the emotions. Intention deals with the will. They're both part of our soul. Desire is seated in what our emotions tell us. Intention has to do with our will. What do we will or intend to do? And as we walk through the application process, if we have the intention, we need to stop, look at our emotions, and get those thoughts. Emotions will always be tied back to thoughts. Thoughts will always be tied to our belief system. Guys, it's work. But it's also work to walk around feeling ashamed and fearful all day long. There's, there's, a, there's a cost for that. It's a lot of energy to walk through your life like that. And there's energy... That needs to be taken when we take each thought captive. It gets easier and easier until it's as plain as day. It's like having a, a black piece of paper in front of you and a white piece of paper. Instantly. See it? I choose the white. I choose light. It gets that easy. You guys, when we first start this, it is work. You're rewiring your thinking. You're transforming your, yourself by the renewing of your mind. Guys, it sad means very much when I hear the body of Christ contend with God's truth. We just choose to ignore Scripture. Just choose to say it doesn't exist. We just ignore it. God loves us, guys, even when we do that, but we're not going to change. Many of us are dying. This generation, this older generation, are dying. We're passing on, going on to glory without ever having entered the rest and love and peace of God being experienced. And eventually we're all going to be home with the Lord. But God's called us for this generation to pick up what is ours, what was given to us. And we're meant to pass this on. We're meant to bring people to Christ and pass this on and for the family to grow in strength and be a light in the end times. The scriptures say when the times get the darkest, the spirit of God will raise up a standard and all the earth, all the kings of the earth will see the glory of his light. That's the church, guys. So, what's, what do we do? What's the application, guys? Well, first of all, let's recap. Guys, everything has a cost to, to believe a fearful belief system where your worth, your value, comes from man or comes from your own actions. That's a demonic belief system started with the fall of Adam and Eve. His identity back. Day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us. Ephesians 1.6, Hebrews 10.10, 10, Ephesians 1, 1.4, Colossians 1.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I love that. For he made him to be, who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It is a gift, guys. Ephesians 2.8.9, heaven cannot be earned. It is a gift of God. Guys, we cannot say we have salvation without righteousness because it's righteousness that cleanses us from all spot and blemish and gives us access to his throne room. Did you catch that, guys? We can't have salvation without righteousness. Salvation is the byproduct of what Jesus gave us. He didn't give us salvation, He gave us righteousness. Salvation is the byproduct. So we might as well start confessing it, gang. Go for it. Is there a cost? Yeah, it's work. It absolutely is work. But it is so worth it, guys. It becomes a lot of fun. This life becomes fun. Ever wonder how the martyrs in the 3rd century in the Colosseum were able to sing songs of praise to Jesus while they were being eaten alive by animals? It's recorded in history. This generation is not ready to do that. Because we don't have the joy that is ours yet, guys. We don't have that passion-burning love Inside of us, of how much we, uh, he loves us. So turn that desire into action. Have an intention. I'm going to take these thoughts captive. I'm going to be deliberate in my thought life. Guys, in the beginning, it's going to be tiring, just like you work out. Just like the beginning when you work out, your muscles aren't used to it. You don't want to do it. But before you know it, guys, before long, man, you're cranking out the, the sets, you're cranking out the reps, you're eating healthy. It builds fast, guys. So, praise God. That's what we're talking about tonight. Uh, I also wrote on this on the blog. If any of you want to get a recap on this uh, in a shorter version, um, you're welcome to go onto the website, dwmurray.com. There's a ton of scriptures there, guys, that talk about all these things. Guys, it's time. The call in this time is going to be to begin transforming our thinking, to begin entering into the intimacy that he died for. That father sent his son to die for. So, Dorothy, thank you as always for having me on. Thank you for always, and forgive me for this. uh, My audio system continues to give me uh, problems, but um, praise God, we'll work it out. But thank you as always, Dorothy, for having me on. Thank you always for your encouragement and your unwavering friendship as you've uh, supported me in this busy season of my life. It is my heart's desire, guys, to always teach instruct, encourage, and correct the body of Christ. It's my place. I had people that did that to, for me and and uh, were willing to count the cost for me. Um, it is now my turn to pass that on. And I just pray that, that these words, that his scriptures keep going deeper and deeper into your guys' hearts to produce that peaceable fruit of righteousness. So thank you guys. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. And Dorothy, I'll catch up with you after uh, after we get off the air. Thank you, David. We have a blessed night. Good night, everyone. Shalom, family of God. This has been Zeal Fear House. I'm David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We hope that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's d-w-m-u-r-r-y dot for additional teachings and insights. God bless you, and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your Heavenly Dad loves you deep. Amen.